Welcome to The Manly Catholic. In this podcast, we will inspire, challenge, and equip all men to become the men they were created to be. Join us as we journey together to become the best versions of ourselves and strive to change our communities one man at a time. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning. Well, it's good to be with all of you today as we celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Obviously, being a, a, a priest, God calling me to the priesthood, this is, this is the most wonderful, beautiful thing that I, that I get to do. And so I get to see my family. And so it's just, it's just good to be here with you. Another thing that I, that I love about being a priest and being here at OLC is that on Fridays, Father Danny and I, we get to visit the school. So we get to visit various classrooms. And the reason why it's, it's just so wonderful is just the inquisitive, innocent minds of the children. And I don't know about, about Father Danny, what he prepares for when he goes into the classrooms. I, I don't know, maybe he, he gives a theological exegesis. He's good at that. I'm just a simple blue-collar priest. I just show up and I say, hey, kids, do you have any questions? And that is it's so fun. It's amazing to hear their little minds speak their little minds. I mean, it's, it's any question from, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? Father Dom, you have a cool truck. I know. <laughs> or it could be, Father, what, what happens after death? What's heaven like? Why, why did Jesus have to die on a cross? Why did he have to wear that crown of thorns? I heard there's a hierarchy of angels. Can you tell us about that? What are the seraphim? They can get deep. I, I mean, anywhere from, from kindergarten all the way up to, to eighth grade, though some of the kindergartners ask deeper questions than the eighth graders. Sorry, eighth graders. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's so much fun. I love it. God loves questions. I think one of the most devastating things a Catholic can do in pursuit continued pursuit of the truth is to stop asking questions. You know, so many adults think they have it all figured out and that religion is just for, for, for children. Oh, you can never reach the limits of God's mind. Keep searching, keep digging, keep asking questions. You will continue to be fulfilled well, Father, there's some questions that I don't even want to go down. The doctrines and dogmas and morals and teachings of the Catholic Church and sexuality and gender go down those paths. You have to, especially the adults. Why? Because you have to teach your kids. Well, Father, that's your job and the teachers. No, it's not. We supplement that. We're secondary. The parents are our primary. Children, keep asking questions. Well, there's a question asked to Jesus in our gospel today, isn't there? Very interesting question. Jesus is God, full stop. He conquered death. No one else did. No one else can. That makes Jesus God, the only God, the one true God, the God of all creation, with no beginning, no end. The creator of you died for us, loves you. The creator of time, space, laws of physics, essence, energy, power, pure spirit, omnipotent, omnibenevolent, omnipresent. That's Jesus, and he's speaking. He's saying something, so we need to listen. So he's asked a question. 
When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a scholar of the law, tested Jesus. Well, if you read the chapter before, you will find out how Jesus silenced the Sadducees. Read that. It's a powerful move on Jesus. Well, there's a difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Yes, they're all Israelites. They are, they are all Jews. The Sadducees came from a wealthy family. They were temple priests. They had a lot of power and influence in Israel. Very, very smart and very powerful. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, nor the soul or angels. Pharisees came from the middle class. They taught in synagogues. They believed in the resurrection of the dead and the immortality of the soul and angels. So there's a difference here. So there's a little tension between the the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So when when the Pharisees hear that Jesus silenced the most powerful people in Israel, well, they're saying, hey, come on, guys, let's gather together. Let's, Let's go after Jesus. Let's give it a crack and see what we can do. See if he can silence us. There's pride all over this gospel. So one of the Pharisees of the group that came to Jesus, probably one that stood out the most as being the most learned and educated, he goes up to Jesus and he says, teacher. Well, first he says he tested him. Pride. Then he says, teacher. He doesn't even call Jesus Messiah. He's just some guru, some teacher. This is God. He tests him and says, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Now, in the Jewish law tradition, there were over 613 laws, varying degree of hierarchy, some serious, all the way down to some not so serious. And so what they're hoping is Jesus would kind of maybe screw up so that they have reason to condemn him, possibly stone him, because he's going to break one of the laws. Now he's talking to Jesus and he doesn't even know that. See, this is the epitome of the love that Jesus has. Because Jesus could have said, oh, you stupid Pharisees, and calls down fire and brimstone from heaven to consume them. But like a good father to a child who's asking a question, he responds in love. He doesn't destroy them. He answers their question in full. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor. This is huge. Jesus says, the first is to love the Lord with everything and then love your neighbor. In order to love your neighbor in the way God wants you to, you have to fall radically in love with God and follow all his commandments. And when you give everything to him, your heart, your soul, your mind, then you will know how to love love your neighbor as God wants you to. That's key. You have to love God first, and then you can love your neighbor. There's so many people out there that get the God thing right, and then they hate people. But there's so many people out there that love people and they just don't get the God thing. But you have to love God first so that you, you can be rightly ordered to love your neighbor as yourself. So God says we are to love him with our whole heart, our soul, and our mind. That's very interesting. What is the heart? Well, in the Hebrew sense of the word and what still plays 
to humanity today. The heart is the center of our body. It's the center of our essence. It's the center of our being. It's the center of our, our spiritual, spirituality. It's the center of everything. Our hearts are guarded because it's a very sensitive, powerful place. Right? We hear it all the time. My heart is broken. My heart is filled with joy. My heart is filled with courage. Right? These euphemisms and, and, and metaphors, they, they're powerful. And, and we can't really pinpoint the heart in that way. We, just, we use it in such a powerful way because it is powerful. It's a throne. And guess who sits on that throne? God. That's why we hear in our, our, our second reading today that Paul said, I knew who you once were. He says in, 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 in other writings, in 1 Corinthians, he says, you were once Gentiles and pagans who sacrificed to demons and not to the one true God. I desire you to participate not in demons. Later he says, if it's not Jesus Christ you worship, they're demons. That's how powerful our heart can be pulled to other things, or in other words, idols. Our heart is God's throne. Give your heart to the Lord. He won't break it. You will have a magnanimous heart, just like in Ezekiel chapter 36. I take from you your stony hearts, and I give you my fleshy heart. Well, Jesus is a divine physician, and sometimes we require heart surgery, and sometimes that's painful, but we have to give our complete heart over to the Lord. That's why Jesus goes after the heart first. And then he goes after our soul. He says, we're supposed to love the Lord with all our soul. Our souls are immortal. At conception, life begins. That's a fact. That's not a choice. It's a fact. He gives a soul that is immortal, destined for heaven in eternity. And then when Jesus comes again, we will be reunited with our glorified and resurrected bodies. Our bodies are beautiful. Our bodies are good. Our soul animates the body. And we're supposed to take care of our souls. Well, how do we take care of our soul? Well, Jesus gave us the church and the sacraments. Baptism to wash away original sin on our soul and bring us into the family of God, the church that opens us up to what? Reconciliation to keep our soul in union with God. And then what? The Eucharist so our souls can receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God so that we can be intimately connected with him. Confirmation, a full descent of the Holy Spirit to enliven our souls so we can be courageous and brave and bring the truth to a world filled with so much darkness. God calls you to a vocation, marriage, or the priesthood to direct your soul into what he created you to do, destined for heaven, that's your path. And then when you're dying, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick to prepare you for your final journey and fill your soul with readiness. Our souls are very important. That's why he gave us the church, the one true church. Next he says, we are supposed to love the Lord with our, with our mind. Minds are very powerful. You can only access a certain percentage, right? Well, God gives us a mind so that we can come to know him. So we can come to know ourselves, our neighbors, our spouses, our children, even nature around us with science. Science does not disprove God. Science is a tool given by man to God to discover God, not to disprove him. To discover him, our minds are powerful. And St. Paul, in all his letters, talks about the mind. If you read all his letters, he's all about the mind. So much so that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says this to us even today. Do not conform yourselves to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may know or discern what is good and pleasing in the eyes of God. 
Our mind needs to order our passions. That's why we need to give our mind to God so that the Holy Spirit can illuminate our intellect so that we can order our emotions through our intellect so that our emotions can give us the power to do what is right and good, give us courage, right? give us strength, give us sacrificial love. We have to do this, and our passions are gifts that are given to us. But if they're not ordered by your emotions, if you don't have God in your mind, your passions will run wild like wild stallions and cause all kinds of destruction, chaos, darkness, and sin. Satan does not want your mind ordered to God. He wants you to be governed by your passions. When I was an apostate, meaning I, I, was, I was brought into the Catholic Church, and then at 15, I left, and I didn't come back till I was 27. Someone who does that is called an apostate. It's not a derogatory term. It's just something someone does. That's what I did. I was outside God's grace. One of the big things I struggle with is pride that leads to anger or anger that leads to pride. And I sinned the greatest during that time because I didn't have God ordering my emotions, and all my life's decisions were based on how I felt. So, praise the Lord for confession when I came back. We have to order our passions and our emotions with our minds. That's why Jesus says, you have to give it to me, because you can't do it without me. This is all God's love for us. And then when we give our heart and our soul and our mind to the Lord, he will show us how to love our neighbor. St. Mother Teresa did this well. Love the person next to you. Love your spouse. Love your children. Love your neighbors. When you love God first, you'll know how to do that. In our first reading, we're supposed to give to the poor. We, we have Haiti, one of our wonderful ministries here, who's being represented after, after Mass. You know, we, we give to the poor. There's so many things we do here at OLC. We give to the poor. We take care of the widows, the orphans. We do these things. But in developed countries, there is a poverty that is rampant, and that is an intellectual poverty and a knowledge of God, his church, and the truth. So many people are chasing lies, thinking they're truths. So if we're going to love our neighbor the way that Christ loves, we have to do it with the very last word he ends in with our first reading, compassion. If we do these things, God will have compassion with us. Compatio in Latin, it means to suffer with. If our hearts and our minds and our, our souls are on fire for the Lord, we will love others like he does deeply. We will sacrifice for them. I think what we need most in, in this country and in, in our culture and here at OLC in our community is to help those learn. Learn the faith. Learn the sacraments and teachings and doctrines and dogmas. They will set you free. They will set you free. Loving someone isn't just letting them do what they want, when they want, and how they want. Loving someone takes courage because we have to call people out who are sinning in a charitable way. But we got to meet them where they're at too and then walk with them and show them the path that we walk to God. And show them God so that they can encounter Jesus who in all throughout Scripture when you encounter Jesus, there's an encounter, there's a transformation, and then you follow. And so all we have to do is bring people to Jesus. But people who are sinning and sexually we're struggling with, with, with this gender, and it, they're lost, too. We, and so we have to help them. When we give everything to the Lord, he will, set ourselves, he will set us on fire, all of us on fire, so that we will want to bring as many people as we can to the Lord. That's why the last couple homilies, I tell you, go out and bring somebody to Mass. You know, If you ask ten, maybe nine will shoot you down, but you might get one. Praise the Lord. Maybe we'll plant seeds in the other ones. They'll plant seeds in us, too. <laughs> 
so we can bring them to the Eucharist, so we can bring them into the Catholic Church, so that they have access to the graces of the sacraments and they too can give their whole heart, soul, mind over to Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we can bring so much light into the darkness of this world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of The Manly Catholic. If you have not already done so, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. It will also help grow the show and reach as many men as possible. We truly think this podcast can change families and help men to change the world. Thank you again so much for tuning in and God bless you.